Welcome to the Lowdown. Today's show, the Oilers romp in December. January's schedule looks very good, and things are coming into view. There's some good news on the Oilers' front in terms of injury as well. Plus, all Canada know at the World Juniors. Damn it! Don't get scored on with like four seconds left. It's always a bad idea. I want to talk about the Eagles. Go Washington Huskies. It's going to be a very, very busy show. We have fantastic gets. Uh, Bill Meltzer from NHL.com, Daniel Nugent-Bowman from The Athletic, and our own Jason Greger stopping by. The lowdown is driven by Wolf GMC Buick, corner of 184th Street and Stony Plain Road. Hurry in for GMC's Joy to the Ride event. No payments for 90 days on every new in-stock 2023 GMC and Buick. Ask for details when you drop by. Sports1440.ca, iHeartRadio, Radio Player Canada, we're everywhere. You can text or call us at 1-833-401-1440, on Twitter, at Low Tide, and at Declan Kruger. And with that, we say a hearty hello to our dear friend, well, I mean, he's in the room, Declan Kruger, everybody. Happy New Year. He's in the room. I like to hear it. Happy New Year to you as well, Low Tide. I, uh, I hope the uh, holiday break was nice, too. It was good to you. You're wearing a very nice Prince shirt that I can I totally only assume am. was a Christmas gift. It was from my daughter, it's- and she also got me a Fitbit. I don't know what the hell that means, but i got to download something so it works. Um, and I had, I've had a, I also saw the Iron Claw. Is that the name of the wrestling movie? It is the one with uh, Zac Efron and Jeremy yeah. Allen White. My sister wants to go see oh, that. It's very good. I will tell you, if you're my age, if you're 62 and male, you're going to be embarrassed by the haircuts because you had them and you can't deny it. And you thought it looked great. Oh my God! I was so like I'm watching the movie and I'm like, it's a it's a it's a very strong movie. It really mm-hmm. is. It's it's a touching movie and it's an angry movie in some ways. Um, but the hair, I'm watching, I'm like, what the hell was I thinking? The whole movie, I was wondering what I was thinking, but I was in good company. I enjoyed it. I had popcorn, um, and um, I think I had M&Ms too, but Ooh. it was very good. What kind yeah. of M&Ms? Uh, the nut ones. Oh, can't go wrong. Yeah, can't yeah. Go it good. Love it. What about you? Yeah, I didn't see the movie, if that's what you're asking. Well, no, did you have a good Christmas <laughs> no, in New I, Year? Yeah, I had a nice Christmas. Silly I got, man. I got to see a lot of uh, a lot of family. My sister is obviously in from Toronto. She would love to meet you, so maybe I'll bring her by tomorrow or oh, something like I that. Oh, I would love and, to meet her. Yeah, and she keeps asking your, me. your four-year-old brother by, too. I'll ask because I want to meet the good side of the of family. Of course. No, who yeah. wouldn't? Yeah, No, she keeps asking, can I meet Low Tide? So maybe I'll ask her if she wants wow. to come by tomorrow. And uh, Yeah, but no, it was a good break. It was nice. It was a, I'm fighting a bit of a cold or uh, something. I'm getting oh, over it. Oh, I gave it, but, it to you, and now you're going to accuse me of no it. i don't know i oh was my I, god you're throwing you know, me under the bus not to give away too much information but i spent a lot of time in a hospital over the uh what? not not for my own illness not for my own illness. oh you god i'm but, feeling uh, terrible now i was I, yeah i was visiting someone over the break so you know maybe pick something up there but uh doing okay for, there's uh, good fishing up by where you were i yeah. will say that do you ever go fishing in saskatchewan i have been fishing in saskatchewan yeah. like Walker lake and then down south by rock Glen. I've oh nice well. so you've yeah. been to the places right yeah oh yeah. i've been i've been everywhere man one day i'll take you to loon lake and meadow lake and turtle lake and the lakes that i visited as a child are you finally admitting you'll hang out with me outside of the show no it, oh, you okay. would have to go separately and then meet at a location right. i wouldn't want to have anything and then publicly you'll, where there'd be no photos or you'll anything. give me the directions to get there and that's about it yes okay and it will, like it'll probably be early in the morning when nobody's paying attention and i'll be gone by sunlight good call so, cover the bases all right oilers coach chris knobloch said sam gagne and dylan holloway will not play tonight versus philly but he expects both players to be ready for the weekend that's via daniel nugent bowman who will join us uh, in hour number two of the show today. So that's good news. The lineup is the same. Stuart Skinner starts. All of the defensemen and forwards, the Leon Dreisaitl new originals line will be there. They had such a strong December, and they finished well, getting some answers. I like this team, and I like that the, the organization, the coaching staff, the management stayed patient with guys like Stuart Skinner and Ryan McLeod. There, there is a lot of past history for the Edmonton Oilers. They give up on guys. Jason Shamara. Uh, Jeff Petrie, Devin Dubnik, Andrew Cogliano. And they, they go, well, ah, it's not working. We can't pay them real money. And then they go somewhere else, make real money, and flourish in other towns. Good that they're not doing that with Stuart Skinner and Ryan McLeod. It was a very strong December. The schedule looks really good right now for the Edmonton Oilers into January. They play Philly, Toronto, then they go on the road. I think they could go, I think I predicted 7-3-1 and one or 7-4-0. and oh through their 11 games in January. Should be good. Evan Bouchard 
gets a lot of praise and earns a lot of praise. He's becoming a more complete player. You, I know people don't like to give Matthias Ekholm credit, but I will because I think it's it's earned. He's a great partner for him. He's a veteran with speed. Uh, he has a defensive conscience, and if he does pinch and make a mistake, it's rare. I like that combination. They are the new top pairing. Darnell Nurse was the top pair defenseman for, I'm going to say, five of the last six years, maybe six of the last seven, but definitely the top pair right now is Ekholm Bouchard. Now, they all play tough minutes, and Nurse plays tough minutes against the really, really good players in the National Hockey League without the McDavid line. So it's, in a way, more difficult for Nurse now, but he's also doing well. I always feel whenever I'm talking about the Otis, I just need to have this caveat. Right at the end of everything I say about the Edmonton Otis and how well they're doing, I need to say, don't forget Connor McDavid is a transcendent generational talent. And the reason you say that is because he makes up for everything. Is there something that you wear, or maybe your glasses, something that you know that when you wear them, you're be- you're a better version of yourself. It is definitely the glasses. Okay, you know me very well. Well, I, because yeah. I know you you just you you adore them and you <laughs> you caress them. It's weird. I take them off when I need to see better. But uh... so that's what Connor McDavid is to the Edmonton Oilers. Um, he's he's I guess for if you're if you're a womanless thing, it's like having a great black dress that you can wear anywhere and you look really good in it and you're confident you're going to know that you're doing well. For Declan, it's glasses. Uh, for normal men, I don't know what it might be. It might be, you know, maybe it's cowboy boots or blue jeans or or maybe just knowing you have a big wad of sweaty cash in your ass pocket. Maybe that's it. Anyway, Conor McDavid is that for the Edmonton Oilers. All right, it's 12.06. This is the Lowdown with Low Tide on Sports 1440. We've got a lot to get to. We have four subjects I want to take, five actually, I want to take these in really quickly, okay? You can text us at one 401 I had a request just at the beginning of the show. I want to do it now. Brandon Douglas is a great guy. He works with Connor McDavid, or Connor, Connor Halley, sorry. Brandon Douglas is a great guy. He works with Connor Halley, who's also a part of the radio station. They have Fantasy Frenzy AM every day. And he is the producer, Brandon is the producer of the Kevin Carrius show. And I'm doing this favor for Brandon, not Connor, but... There is a request out there to recommend a movie these two characters are going to watch, I guess, on the weekend. So they want to watch a classic. I suggested the SpongeBob movie. They questioned if it was a SpongeBob movie. But then I said David Hasselhoff was in it, and they understood what I was talking about. So send your favorite movie, the one that you think they should watch. They're they're really smart guys, he lied. Send it now to... One eight three three four zero one fourteen forty. Would you please appreciate that? All right, that's one of several subjects we have to cover very quickly. We will move on, sir. I don't know where to start with college football. Notre Dame won. Washington won. That quarterback. What the hell is his name? And where is he going to go in the draft? For Washington? Yeah, Michael Penix. Uh, Michael Penix. Well, Jr. tell me is about him. Name. Like, is he? Why isn't he like? Because uh, people are saying mid first yeah. round. Is he too old? Why? Because he looks brilliant. He's old. He has a bad injury history. Okay, those are the two biggest things. So yeah, Michael Penix Jr. story is he was with Kellen DeBoer, who was the head coach at Washington. He was with him when he was the offensive coordinator at Indiana. Uh, Kellen DeBoer took some time at Fresno State as the head coach, then went to Washington, where Michael Penix followed him. He's incredible, though. He can put anything on a rope. He has. He's a he's a great quarterback in college. Great college quarterback. He can put anything on a rope. He can spread the ball incredibly wide. But I will say, Romo Dunze, Jalen Polk, and Jalen McMillan. These guys, like if you're going to be thrown to three wide receivers in college to help make you look a little bit better, those are the three guys you're going to be thrown to. Like you look at it like, and I'm not going to take anything away from Michael Penix because you look at all the talent with like a Mecca Bouquet and Marvin Harrison Jr. Uh, that a guy like uh, Kyle McCord had in Ohio State, and he wasn't able to do the things Michael Penix did. He's incredible, but he is with some incredibly talented receivers. He has not played an elite secondary really throughout the whole year. And I'm not. This sounds like I'm poo pooing on Michael Penix you Jr. Are, you he, know. He's a great quarterback. I'm just trying to give a little bit of context. I think he's a great quarterback. I think he's going to go date. Day two, like a third round kind of quarterback in the NFL draft, but he's an inc- he's an incredible talent, and his game translates so well to the college offense. You were all over Washington. You were yes. like booming on them all all over the hell's half acre since this show started. Clearly, they're a good team. Do they yes. win the national championship? I don't think so. Oh my god! I think Michigan wins because they're that good. I just think Michigan. 
uh, you know, as much as we like to see the pretty plays and we like to see the fun offensive game, you know, there are three sides to a football game. And really, you know, there's there's kind of two. There's two that take up 45% importance and one that takes up 10%. That 10% is special teams. The other 45 are offense and defense. And Michigan is just so far superior defensively than Washington. They have a better secondary. They have a better front seven. They have a better scheme. They just do everything better defensively. And I think when Washington runs into that, their defense won't be able to stop what Michigan can do on offense. And Michigan didn't look world beater offensively against against Alabama, but I think the strength of the defense is going to be enough to hold Washington in place. I like Michigan to get it done. So you say. Yes. Now, very quickly, because we are already out of time, but I need you to tell me, what like Notre Dame winning was a highlight for me. Yes. Washington quarterback was a highlight for me. What was a highlight for you during the college uh, bowl season? Well, obviously for me, I'm an Oregon fan. Well, they, they uh, won I mean that, yeah, barely, Oregon. barely. <laughs> yeah, they beat they beat the hell out of Liberty. They won 45 to 6. Liberty, listen, it was they gave them a shot. They gave Liberty a shot. Hey, they said, "Hey, you went undefeated in the regular season, won your conference. We'll give you one of the big boys." They got absolutely throttled. I think Oregon is a top five team in the country, if not top three or four. I mean, they played Washington, who might go on to be the best team in the nation, incredibly close twice, arguably could have won both games. Uh, this was, you know, anyone could have seen this result coming. So Oregon, they walk away uh, Fiesta Bowl champions. Bo Nix ends his college career on a high note. He's going to go to the NFL. And uh, Dan Lanning has built a culture in Oregon, which I'm really happy about. 22-5 and five so far as a coach in Oregon. He's built the culture. And he says, you look at the guys in Florida State who opted out and I don't know if we'll have time to get them. Florida State got killed by Georgia. They had 25 players opt out. Oregon said, no, we're not going to do this. We're not going to take liberty lightly. We're going to play our big boys. We're going to set the culture. We're going to set the tone. We're going to go go out there and get the dub. And they won by 39 points in a bowl game against a you know, top 25 undefeated team. So great culture setter for Oregon. Those are my guys. Is that a good sportsmanship, though, when you... Yeah, they didn't. Like, they didn't put like up fifty rented mules. You know, like. once you once you drop a fifty burger on them, that's when sportsmanship goes out the window a little bit. They kept it to forty five. Well, I think silly people. Well, you know, you're up by like seventeen touchdowns. Maybe back off a little. Yeah, it was only it was only five touchdowns and four okay. four other points sprinkled in. NFL. There. I don't want to talk about the Eagles. I mean, I look, wouldn't either. Here's what I'll say: They don't deserve it. They don't deserve the the division. If you can't. You know, show you you win that game, you won the division basically. Because the Giants, with respect to my friend Jason Strudwick, they're they're not going to beat the Eagles. But it doesn't matter now. Dallas will win against Washington. They will win the division. I think it's fifty eight years in a row now that division has had a different champion every year. But you know, I, I as much a fan as I am of the Eagles, I'm not even disappointed. That was a terrible game. The defense, I mean. When you are bad and you play prevent, you really are just giving up the show. So that's my story. What did you notice from the NFL weekend? Well, the biggest takeaway for me, again, I'll keep this quick. The Ravens class in the NFL right now. I don't want to hear about anybody else. The Ravens, I said it I said it before. I've said it earlier last month, I guess it would have been. The, the Ravens don't do anything exceptionally well. They don't have anything that really blows you away when you watch them, but they do everything so well. They're so solid at every position and every position group across the field, sometimes to the surprise of the viewer, that the Ravens right now are the class of the NFL. They turn back the 49ers and they turn back the Dolphins by incredibly wide margins of back-to-back weeks. I think the Ravens are, without question, going to be the AFC team in the Super Bowl. And I think whoever comes out of the NFC, likely the 49ers, really can't hang with them. We've seen that movie play out. We saw what happened. I think the, the Ravens are just the best team in the NFL right now. Uh, that's where the smart money's going. Okay, and we will have a college uh, item at 140 today, right? You and I are going to talk about uh, college football at length. Yeah, we can get get into it a little bit more. Okay. Uh, two, three things left here. Really quickly, we got two minutes. World Juniors, Canada played well. They were not a strong team. They didn't have a lot of offense. They lost. Life goes on. D- there are people online just ripping the goaltender or ripping the scoring forwards. They're teenagers. Come on, you know, don't do that. They, they they tried their best. They didn't they didn't win. It was a fluky goal with like very few seconds left. It happens. It's bad luck. And they manned up and they entered to the the media room and they stood in front of the camera and they 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 bared their soul. So they've done everything they have to do and everything they should have done. And now, as a fan, the idea is that you're just not a big dink about it, right? So that leads me to the the women finally have a professional hockey league that looks like it's going to roll. They've got money. They've got people in place of, of 
who are famous and good at what they do uh, and are, are, I guess, part of the establishment, if you want to put it that way. And I was thrilled to see so much coverage, really good hockey coverage of the debut. Uh, New York won 4-0 over Toronto. But then there was a lot of people online who were just being pissy about it. And, you know, we I see it all the time. People put the CFL down or whatever. But I want you to remember something. Women's hockey is great. We know that from the Olympics. Women's hockey needs to grow a league, and that's what they're doing now. Men's hockey started 110 years ago. So there's a 110-year head start. So if you're going to pontificate about the difference in quality, if you're going to talk about, well, I don't know these teams, then I don't want to hear it. I will not talk about that on the air. If you text it in, I'm ignoring you because I'm not going to give that kind of attitude any air, none on this show. It's, it's belligerent. It's beneath you. It's petty. And it's a lot of other things that I'm not going to get into because I don't have time. All right. I've said my piece. Finally. I, how many days a year do I take off? Like two? Was that a question? Yes. Yeah, you, I mean, I'll say I don't I'll like say taking four. days off. Four I'll days. Four. Okay. I'll give you a little wiggle room. So I take two days off, and I'm assuming it's going to be you and Connor at the mic. And I'm like, those guys, I mean, if they do a really good job, I can still walk into the boss and say, hey, you know, I have more in my cranium. I have great memories. You know, I'm unique. Please keep me. But then I turn the radio on when I'm driving down the road and I'm off and I hear the voice of God on the radio. I mean, when I heard Marty Stevens on the radio, you know what I did? I drove to a, to a library so I could update my resume and get it printed off and dropped it off at a few stations around town. And then Slater, I mean, he pummeled you. It was terrible. He had references coming up from everywhere. He brought up Willie Green on the air. And then they had a guest. And I don't know why why we didn't think of getting him, but we I'm going to give you his name in a little while. But I thought I'm I'm watching this and I'm I'm listening to it and I'm going, what the hell is going on? How did they get the guy from the Rotisserie League a thousand years ago that I could have gotten on any time who knows like lots of stuff like I don't know curling? Do you know Tim Ellis? I know the name. I'm not familiar with his work. He didn't tell the story that could have crushed me, though. One time he traded me. I was trying to trade Mark Wolers before he became a closer in Atlanta in our league. And he said, I'm going on holidays. Make the deal if you want. And if not, we'll get talk when I get back. So Wolers had three saves while he was gone, and I made the trade. <laughs> Ass. That's such a jerk thing to do. And I did it, and I'm not even sorry. Anyway, Tim Ellis is a great guy. And they did a fantastic job, and I do thank everybody who was involved in filling in while we were gone for our very brief time off. And that's why I don't take holidays. Because when I take holidays, Marty Stevens exits the office, comes in here, and kills it on the air. And then he brings Slater with him, and he makes my friend look like a a fool. Like a fool! I'm only teasing. Nobody would ever make you look like a fool. Okay, we've got a very busy show on the way. At 1 o'clock, it's Daniel Nugent Bowman, Jason Greger at 120. We're talking college football at 140. Up next, Bill Meltzer from NHL.com as we preview the Flyers as they take on the Otis tonight. Low down with low tide on Sports 1440. It's Twang Tuesday on Sports 1440 in the low down with low tide. We're driven by Wolf GMC Buick. We're delighted that you're here. And we're back after a, a nice holiday. I feel... I have to say, though, today, driving around the city, people are a little slow. Like, a, d- maybe dull is the word, or maybe they've gone to work, and they've been sent out to do errands, and they don't want to hurry back. Because there's a, I, I had a, I was behind somebody at the drive through when I was getting my coffee, and they got out of their car to pay the, 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 the first window. And I, I don't think you're allowed to get out of the car to pay. I think you have to stay in your car for safety purposes. But that happened today. So I think we're slowly getting into the way the world is. And so allow for extra time if you haven't been out yet today. Because it's, um, we're in a little slow motion, I would suggest. That's the best way of putting it. Delighted to be joined now by Bill Meltzer from NHL.com to talk a little Philadelphia Flyers. Should we expect the same lineup that we saw against the Flames for Philadelphia tonight, Bill? 
Uh, I believe so. Flyers have pretty much been going with the same lineup uh, with <laughs> no modifications and you know no no personnel changes for uh, uh, the, the entirety of this current road trip and a little bit before that too. So um, I think I think the line should, should be identical. I don't know if they're going to tweak the power play at all, but the the five one five should be the same. So. You know, the, the third in the Metro, five, two, and three in the last ten. Is this a playoff team, or is this a Cinderella story? And and midnight is is sometime here or after the deadline. I mean, I, I think that based upon not just the the record, but based upon the way that they play and and the quality of opposition the Flyers have been able to beat this year, I think it'd be foolish to to write them off. Um, now, whether they'll you know whether they'll be uh, a wild card team. Uh, ultimately, or stay in the, in the top three in the Metro. I think that remains to be seen. But uh, you know, I, I was thinking actually before we were speaking that you know the Flyers after after tonight's game in Edmonton, the Flyers have knocked out uh, almost all of their uh, travel across time zones this season. Um, they have one game left in Winnipeg, one in Minnesota, and one in Chicago. And other than that, the rest of the season will be on the Eastern time zone. So, um, you know, so they they've. They've got most of their travel out of the way after after tonight. Other than obviously the divisional games, which are all, which are always hard. So I think that the, the Flyers have earned where they are uh, up to this point. And um, you know, I, I, they're they're a tough out because um, because of how good the penalty kill has been, because of how good the goaltending has been, and because the Flyers this season have become one of the NHL's best teams in transition. Um, if you turn the puck over against Philly, they have a way of burning you. So it's. Uh, it's something that I think the Oilers have to be aware of. It's something that I think the league uh, is aware of, that this is, this is a much tougher Flyers team than they've been um, last season or in the recent season before that, truthfully. They're, they're, it's interesting to me because I, for some reason I think of them as a young team, and maybe it's because I watch Farabee, uh do things on you know highlight packages or whatever, but they've got... You know, they're a veteran team with youth marbled in. They've got, you know, Konechny's not young anymore. Sanheim, Sean Couturier's back, obviously Carter Hart. But they've got some guys in their 30s, too, or at least around 30. Uh, and uh, they're, they're, it looks like they've got better depth than they've had in some time. They, they do have much better depth. Uh, getting getting Couturier back has obviously been, been huge for the team. Um, Cam Atkinson, although he struggled the last couple of months, but having him back has, has been important to the penalty kill and the transition game. And uh, as you said, there, there's kind of there's, there is youth marbled in. Um, you know, there's players who are 24 and under. Several of them have been contributors this year. And the bigger picture of 25 and under, um, the Flyers have a nice element of that in the lineup too. Uh, one of the reasons for all the changes in the roster uh, this past off season has been to to make some of the younger guys have a little bigger bite on the team, and they've responded. But but ultimately, the the core group of leadership, it, it is a veteran group, and um, you know I I think that it's they, they've proven themselves to be a pretty resilient team. Flyers have been one of the best NHL teams on the road this season too, so that's uh, which which is a mark of maturity and also of unity too, because that that's often where that's often where trouble spots pop up for for a lot of clubs. So I think that. Uh, Philly, Philly's managed a lot of that. But, yeah, I, I think I think there's good veteran leadership on the club. Bill Meltzer joins us at NHL.com. Sean Walker is a player who, whenever I'm watching Philadelphia, he's noticeable. Uh, how, how has his Philadelphia career gone? And I read about, you know, trade rumors, but I think it's from fans who look at his contract and say, that's a guy I'd like on my team. How much do they love Sean Walker in Philadelphia? He's been he's been a huge addition. You know, when he was healthy in L.A., I thought he was a good defenseman for the Kings. Um, had had his share of injury issues, and really was kind of an unheralded acquisition as part of the uh, multi. Well, it was really it was a three team trade: the Flyers, L.A., and Columbus. Uh, that was the trade that sent Ivan Provorov to Columbus. Um, Walker has been huge in terms of. Um, triggering the, the transition game in terms of joining plays up ice. Uh, Flyers have, have played faster uh, with Walker out there. Um, you know, I, I, he actually, one of his two shorthanded goals here came with the Oilers' expense early the season. Um, he, he's, he's been very adept. At, at, you know, I, I knew he had some offensive skill. I didn't know he was this good at being able to jump in the play and create things. So um that's been that's been a, a significant part of the of the uh, uh of the Flyers transformation this season. 
Um, his pairing with Nick Steeler, it's actually the Flyers' second pairing, and they've been consistently good this season. Um, the, the Flyers' top pair has been has been Sanheim and York, and they've been good. Um, the third pair, they kind of spot and, and manage their minutes, um, I guess, as, as a lot of teams do their third pairings. But I, I would say that the, the Flyers' middle pair, because um, I thought of Walker more as a maybe a number six guy, and most of his career, Steeler's been a third-pairing guy. Um, both guys have been surprisingly good this season. Um, it, I mean, Walker is, as you, as you noted, unrestricted after the season. So uh, if the Flyers do find themselves in a position where they're a seller again, close to the deadline, uh, I think Walker would be a guy who would garner a lot of interest. They'd have no problem being able to trade. But as long as the Flyers are, are hanging around in the top three, even even potentially in wild card position, I don't think I don't think he's imminently going anywhere. I know they'd like to try to resign him. They can actually. Bill Carter Hart has been around seemingly forever. He's only twenty five, but it seems like he's been around a long time. This year, uh, based on the numbers, he's having what might be a career season: nine fifteen save percentage, nine six and three record. How important has Carter Hart been this year to this Philadelphia Flyers team? Hart is Hart is such a critical player to the Flyers. Even last year, he won the Bobby Clark Trophy, which is the Flyers team MVP award. Um, you know, uh, his numbers have been hurt a little bit because of how porous the team has been defensively in front of him uh, in previous years. This year, you now he has much better structure and much better defense in front of him. And um, you know, other than some illness-related issues, he's having uh, he's having a tremendous season. Um, you know the, the Flyers are really the, for the first time in a long time in a position where uh, they can rely on both of their goaltenders. Both both Hart and Samuel Erson have been outstanding in goal. Um, Hart, Hart, of course, being uh, being essentially an Edmonton native, being coming from Sherwood Park, always gets up to play the Oilers. So it's always always a big game for Carter personally when uh, whenever Philadelphia plays uh, the Oilers. But uh, he's been he's been consistently really really good in the one game. Uh, coming back off of an absence, uh, that was uh, that was the game in Detroit. He he got hit. He got touched for five goals in the first period, and he was really good the rest of the game. Uh, they ended up losing that one in the shootout. So hard is hard is a big big part of everything the Flyers do, and, and goaltending has been to me along with the PK and the transition game. You know, part of the biggest reason why the Flyers are where they are right now. Bill Meltzer joins us uh, from NHL.com. You we we talked about him earlier. Uh, but Sean Couturier has always been one of my favorite players. He's a 200-foot guy, and I, I don't think he's, you know, you, you could accuse him of not being, you know, as rambunctious as Travis Konechny, but he's a highly effective player. I worried about him because of injuries. It looks to me, and I haven't, you know, followed the year closely, that he's pretty much back to 100% in the player that we assume he would always be. Is that fair, or is his, gore, his scoring touch a little off, or is he back to being Sean Couturier? He has he 100% been the Sean Couturier uh, of old, the guy who won the Selkie Trophy, who was uh, top runner-up for Selkie another year, um, and had a couple 30-goal seasons. I don't think he'll, I don't think he'll hit 30 this year, but uh, but he, I mean, he is unquestionably the Flyers' number one center. Um, I, I think that, I mean, my, my concern, truthfully, is that uh, as the Flyers hit the stretch drive, um, because he is in his 30s now, because he's had two back surgeries. All these twenty plus plus minute a night games that he's playing, I I do have a little bit of worry about a wear down effect as you get to the stretch drive and hopefully for Philly the, the playoffs. But uh, so far this season, the first half he's been he's been tremendous. He's been everything everything he always was of the team, and then that's uh, obviously been huge too for why the Flyers have improved. Uh, Bill, final question for you in Edmonton, the World Juniors for many years, over a decade for sure was kind of the highlight of the hockey season because there were so many young Oilers. There's none this year uh, playing at the tournament. There are some Flyers. How closely do fans follow the the fortunes of the uh, young Flyer prospects at the World Juniors? I, I would say that, that that interest has grown uh, in recent years, particularly since the Flyers have uh, you know, openly say that they, they consider what they're doing a rebuild. Um, so I, I think that it's been pretty pretty big if I think that uh, you know if Russia was participating, uh, Matvey Michkov would absolutely be on the top line there. There'd be a ton of interest with that. Um, and uh, but I mean, but Cutter Gauthier, who was fifth overall pick a couple of years ago, he's playing. There's a lot of interest in him. 
Uh, Oliver Bonk, who, of course, is Roddick Bonk's son, was the Flyers' second of two first-round picks last year. He's playing for Team Canada. So I, I, would, say, I would say there's pretty solid interest in the fan base, uh, how the junior guys are doing, particularly because the American League team, the Phantoms, is not having a particularly good year. So uh, a, a lot of fans are kind of watching what the collegiate and junior players are doing. So it's been, I think that continues to grow. Bill, thank you so much. Have a great night and enjoy the game. Uh, my pleasure and happy new year all right there you go Bill Meltzer. interesting read follow him at nhl.com good twitter by the way had some old-timey uh, flyer goal calls he retweeted uh, sometime during the holidays Declan that game was yesterday I will not forget that game yesterday one of the best sporting days of my life and then a bunch of things that I can't talk about from Tosh I will definitely be getting back to Tosh Tosh is my guy we consistently talk college football through the text line I haven't read it yet, Tosh, but I'll be there in a second. Well, I think that it was an exciting uh, – I did not see the first game. I saw all of the second game. Um, college football, in like, I'll watch it during the year, but, like, there's so much of it, you know? Like, it's just – like, it's like, okay, it's Wake Forest up against Bowling Green, and then – you know, the commentator will say, the number two ranked quarterback in the country. I'm like, what? It's There's just so much of it, you know? And then there's Grambling, which plays in another, you know, division. And, you know, some of these guys end up playing. Like, I'm interested in the athletes. And, I, I like, I cheer for Notre Dame. But I also cheer. I'm very excited for Washington because they're a Pac-10 team. I don't know how long, how big the Pac is anymore, if it even exists. But I, I you know, I... I do cheer for Washington. Usually I cheer against Washington or for Washington against Michigan in the Rose Bowl, but they're playing. Where are they playing the national championship next Monday? They are playing it in. Oh, you don't know. I don't know, actually. Yeah. Oh, That's, I don't I don't know. That's a great question. I'll have to look it up. I think. Well, I'm, I'm sorry for putting you on the spot, but I did think you'd know that. I that you would. Yeah, that you would think that's something I know. But no, off the top of my head, I don't know. I'll look it up and I'll get back to you. All right. Can you do that before the break? I'm just teasing. Uh, Marty sounded like a young LT, I must say. They did a hell of a job. That's what my point is. You know, I was, you know, when you, you expect young people and then you've got this mature voice, and I did not hear the name at the beginning, and nobody told me. So I was driving to wherever I could update my resume because I'm like, this is it. You know, they've done, did the deed, you know. I mean, that's how it works. In radio, you go on holidays and you're working for a sports station. And then you come back and you hear oompa-pa music. And it's like, hello, everybody. It's Lorenzo Welk. And you're a different format. So that's what I was kind of looking at. But they did a great job. And I thank them for that. It's in Houston, by the way. Oh, is it in Houston? Okay. Are they a big uh, college football town? I guess they all are. Yeah, I mean, they kind of all are, especially in Texas. But Austin is really the, the college football town of Texas. Right. So would people in Houston cheer for like the Longhorns or cheer who would they cheer for well they do have the University of Houston who is now in the Big 12 so that would be kind of the one Are they any good no not really not really but Texas as a whole I mean Texas is kind of down as a whole state back up this year of course with Texas making the college football playoff but you know it's not like Bama where you know it's or Georgia where it's just been a run of success it's, so what happened to the what happened to the SEC did they just stop recruiting or what what's going on there no no the SEC listen they just wasn't their year it happens well, sometimes the Pac-12 was your better voice this is year. rising you seem to be defensive no what well, listen Washington was playing You're with like the entire Bob with the SEC there just like well they're the best thing ever they're not Michigan has been very very good for a good few years now and Washington was playing with the weight of the entire Pac-12 on their shoulders they had a lot to play for and they showed it the SEC can't win it every year well, apparently not. Yeah. I thought, Proof based on what I'd heard, that they were that nobody else existed. Well, this is news. I very much want the PWHL to work. Can't be the USFL, XFL from Bones. I think they've got backing. I really, really know. I do. Marty Stevens is known as High Tide. Oh, nice. Oh, nice. I like that. I hate how they pick on the kids at the World Juniors from Rusty. Me too. Like, it's, it's embarrassing. You know, you... You've got a 19-year-old who has family and friends, and he didn't mean to let that go, and it was tipped. And the guy who tipped it probably feels terrible. But it, it doesn't give Canadians or anybody 
uh, carte blanche to just hammer those kids because they went over, you know, they gave up a lot to go there. And I mean, I, I congratulate them. They didn't win, but let's be real. They, they played well. Women's hockey is perfect. I love it. I, you know, one of the most, uh, and I talked to Charles Pounder about this, one of my most angry, passionate moments was when I was watching Canada, was when, came when, uh, Canada was playing the United States women's hockey, and the American referee kept calling penalties against Canada. Damn it. It was so unfair, and it was so obvious, and Canada won. And I was like, I won't tell you what fingers I was using, and I won't say the language I was using, but I was mad. And when Haley Wickenheiser after the game, was talking to Don Cherry, and I apologize, I don't remember who else she she was talking to. And she said, they were walking all over our flag on their dressing room door. Now we want to know if they want us to come over and sign it. That's one of my favorite moments in any sport, any time. Yes, I screamed at the television. And then I said terrible things to the television. And my children were in the room and yada, yada, yada. Okay, in the 1 o'clock hour, Daniel Nugent Bowman will join us. He has reporting to tell us a little bit about Sam Gagne and Dylan Holloway and men that, when they might play. Also, the line of the roster we'll get to here after the break. Jason Greger at 120. We'll talk college football at 140. It's a busy, busy day. Your comments are up next. We'll do an entire segment. This is the Lowdown with Low Tide on Sports 1440. It's Twang Tuesday on Sports 1440. Lowdown is driven by Wolf GMC Buick. Hurry in for GMC, uh, GMC's Joy to the Ride event. No payments for 90 days on every new in-stock 2023 GMC and Buick. Ask for details. There you go. Now, is Johnny Cash country, would you say? Or is it like kind of folky, rocky? Yeah, I've always said Johnny Cash was folk. Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, it fits. Everybody loves Johnny Cash. But that one's Twang Tuesday. Like, that one fits for Twang Tuesday, I think. That one's very twangy. Do you like the Nine Inch Nails version or that version? Oh, that version way better. Me too. But I, I like Nine Inch Nails. It's because there's a boxing video on YouTube. It's like a uh, oh, montage video yeah. that plays to that song, and it's it's beautiful. I watch it frequently. How often? I probably get get to it once every three months. I'll give it a rewatch. So, are you are you a violent person, or do you just like watching violence? Um. Yeah, no, definitely not a violent person. I just like I like watching the sport of boxing and the sport of mixed martial arts. The reason I ask you that is I spent much of my childhood defending my right to watch Wiley e. Coyote have anvils land on his head. And people actually said, adult people would say, ah, the, the kids are learning violence from Bugs Bunny. And I'm like, what now? I always, re- like, I remember watching that as a young kid and like feeling bad that the coyote kept getting hurt. I was like, well, isn't he was this going to hurt dumbass. Him? Stop ordering yeah. stuff from Acme. Well, that too, but I was like, man, he's like running into walls. He's getting bricks dropped on his head. Like, is he going to be okay? I had a lot of sympathy for him as a kid. Did you see the- I was uh, an empath, not a big deal. Big Bugs Bunny where the, the Acme hat company, uh, the back doors opened and all these hats went up in the air. And then I think it was Elmer Fudd and Bugs Bunny kept changing character based on the hats they were wearing. <laughs> no, I never saw it. But that seems like something I would like. I'll have to oh, check that very, out. very, funny. Good stuff. Tied, PWHL is owned by the Los Angeles Dodgers. I'm certain they'll be fine financially from Zeke. Ah, you know, you can own something and then you can disown something. Women's hockey, and I encourage you to support it. Women's hockey, I love it. But but it needs to find an audience, and you. It's like the WNBA. You know, there are still people who go, "Oh wow, whatever." But there's also people who love the game and love the sport and love the players in the sport. And you you know, they need the time to create their own lore. You know, you're an Oilers fan. How much lore do the Oilers have? They've got more than anybody in the years they've been in the National Hockey League. Since 1979, there have been brilliant stories around the Oilers. People talk about, you know, Wayne Gretzky the way uh, he, uh, they talked about, you know, Joe DiMaggio and the old man in the sea. There's just hushed tones around the name Gretzky. And one day maybe McDavid will be like that. But there's also Messier. There's five Stanleys. There's two Stanley Cups uh, finals that were, you know, destroyed the fan base because they didn't win there's a, there's a lot of hurdy stuff there's a lot of good stuff but there's a lot of stuff around the orders 
You need that for every franchise in the new league. And you, for that to happen, you need time. We had the first goal scorer. We had the first winner. We had the first shutout yesterday. Now we need to get to the first championship, the first overtime in the deciding game. All of those things will, will find their way, and we will appreciate them. Not everybody, because there's a lot of people who have their own value system that doesn't allow for anything new or, or uh, outside of their norms. You know, when I was young, NASCAR was live and the NBA was on tape. When I was young, you could watch open wheel racing. You could watch, uh, you know, uh, stock car racing. You could watch several different kinds of races. There was uh, women's sports were things like roller. Do you remember roller derby? Things like that, you know, which were, you know, costuming was at least a part of it. You know, women's ho- women could play hockey, you know, hundreds of years ago. They just didn't have a, a league to play in. They finally have it. Rejoice, everybody. This is great. Buy your stuff. You know, buy, buy. I, my daughter has some New York Riveters stuff and, and um, from a previous time. This is good. It's all good. You don't have to endorse it. You don't have to love it. You don't have to watch it. But th- this particular place is not an area where we're going to give voice to, to negativity. Is Johnny Cash country? Are the Rolling Stones rock and roll? Is Metallica metal? People who say Johnny Cash isn't country are the people who refuse to like country. I don't know. I love country music. I'm just not sure if Johnny Cash is completely country. I'm not trying to create a, an issue. Only a young guy would say Cash is folk. June Carter family, pure country, maybe invented it. Now, wait a minute. Johnny Cash was part of a rockabilly son uh, uh, explosion with Elvis Presley, Jerry Lee Lewis, Roy Orbison, Carl Perkins, and Johnny Cash. He was part of the, they called it the, the Million Dollar Quartet. So he came in as a rockabilly artist, even though I think he had country and maybe even blues and folk influences. But if you're talking about the Carter family, Mother Maybell did, the, her, her style of playing the guitar influenced everybody afterwards. And they were the first recordings that were, were purchased uh, and played on radio of what we call now country music. But, but Johnny Cash and the, Cash, uh, the Carter family are not, they were not, as, as, as far as I know, uh, they were not a, a, an item before Johnny Cash became famous. So, country rock. Well, maybe, but I think that's more of a modern term we would associate with the Eagles or the Flying Burrito Brothers. I mean, you can have your opinion, but it's wrong. Cash is country. Well, I'm not going to argue with you. I'm going to say that that young, young Declan here made a point, and I agreed with him. You are absolutely, absolutely uh, free to disagree with us. That's fine. I'm happy Florida State didn't get in ahead of Alabama. Even with their opt-outs playing in that Rose Bowl, they would have gotten a beating from Michigan. Is that is that true? They probably would have lost to Michigan fairly handily, yes. But I still would have had them in over Bama. Because you're stubborn. They deserved it, man. They they went they went undefeated. They won the they won a power five conference. They, they I I ran through everything. They had the three top twenty five wins. They beat the LSU team who finished thirteenth on a neutral site. You know they beat Louisville in the in the uh, ACC championship game. And Louisville was the SEC's best road win all year when Kentucky beat them. I I, th- I still think they deserve to be in, but they did. They they probably would have got mollywopped against Michigan. What now? Molly whopped? Is Molly that whopped. some kind of new? Because I don't get into the new lingo. Because I think it uh, ends up being a, a cribbage term, and then it's not a cribbage term. So I don't get into that stuff anymore. I think molly whop's an old term. I think people your uh, age generally throw that one around. I know thirty words, and I'm sticking with them. I'm trying to avoid any more, you know, moments like I've had in the past. If you only know thirty words, you've done a great job, and you've made a hell of a career out of just recycling those thirty. Well, I only know twelve stories, <laughs> and I keep recycling those too. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, I understand that more than 300 talented players opted out of bowl games this year. They didn't want to get injured. They're going to get drafted by the NFL. If that's the case, wouldn't it be good for college football? What do you think from Cliff 77? Well, I'll let Declan answer this in a second, but I would say to you that, that, you know, I've seen great players lose careers late in their, you know, draft eligible year. I don't have a solution for you. But I think that if a, a agent or an advisor and a player decide that he's not going to play to not to risk injury, 
you might not like it, but I, I mean, I respect the decision because you're about to get paid. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think, well, first of all, I think it definitely dilutes the product of college football and the bowl game season. But bowl games don't mean what they used to. That's a big one. Like, bowl games, all you have to do now is finish 6-6, six and six, have a winning conference record, and you're bowl game eligible. Like, bowl games don't mean what they used to. We're seeing hundreds of bowls, not hundreds, but we're seeing tens of bowls that don't mean anything. There's no incentive for these kids. Like, they don't care if they finish 7-6 and six or 6-7 six and seven and get a nothing bowl win. They're worried about getting ready to the, go to the next level. They're worried about getting ready for next season. Like, Florida State this one, they had 25 players opt out, 14 starters. They wanted to send a message to the NCAA. They said, hey, if we're not playing for the national championship, we're resting up. We're looking ahead to the draft. We're looking ahead to next season. We're sending a message. How with like I said, with how diluted the bowl games have become in college football, it's just such a subpar product when we get to bowl season. And I'm all for the players doing this. I think we need less bowl games. I think we need more restrictions to get into bowl games, and you won't see things like this happening. Because how like what is the justification justification for a kid who's about to go make a couple million dollars on draft night playing in a nothing bowl game and tearing his ACL and never being able to play football again? You well, just can't justify it. All I care is that none of the players, like the three hundred pound linemen who like pass out because they can't afford to buy food, don't give them anything, even though they're helping, you know, the coach and the school make a bazillion dollars. Don't let those student athletes have free food or you got to get them out of there. You think your life is unfair? I want you to read about college football players and what they have to go through. Not all of them. And it is changing. But it is like mutt decision-making that has them where they are. And I say mutt not in a good way. Boondog Saints and Frailty are awesome movies from Oil Boots. Remember, we're asking you to text us at 1-833-401-1440 for classic movies. Hey, Low Tide, Happy New Year. All the best in 2024 from Corey and Eric. Well, right back at you. I hope it's a great year for you. Once upon a time in America, Eden, father of Arius. Low Tide, people want to watch the best. They don't care which gender is playing. I had three daughters. One daughter's a goalie in a men's league. I've coached little girls minor hockey. Some of the games were good, some bad, suspense and drama. But as someone who appreciates the best hockey, I'm going to watch men play any day. A few years ago, the Canadian women's Olympic team found, toured Canada, tuning up by playing boys' teams. Port Saskatchewan midget AAA Rangers tied them 3-3 without being able to body check them. I wish them all the luck in the world, but when time and finances are limited, I won't bother watching hockey that is no better than AAA midget boys from Kevin uh, Farmer Kevin. Well, there's nothing wrong with that. That is your opinion. What I'm saying is that just like the CFL, when people are, are constantly haranguing the league, you you don't have to like it, but I also don't have to read. Not, that was a very respectful text, so I read it. But I'm not going to read, you know, the, the stuff that's normally sent into a radio station like ours about women's hockey. It has to breathe. It has to be able to find its audience. And I we are a small part of what, you know, sports is. But in our little corner of the world, I'm just not going to feed that, 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 um, that kind of attitude. Now, this gentleman talks about a limited budget and not being able to afford to to go do everything, or maybe it's time that he can't afford to, you know, to devote. That that's completely fair. But having said that, if if somebody's excited about the women's league, then let them be excited, and we're going to cover it, right? You're going to give updates on this, right? Oh, sure. Right away here. Damn straight. Uh, I I wonder if, if um, can I make a suggestion about what movie I'd like those two uh, guys to watch? I think so. Okay. I think they should watch Deliverance. It's a good movie. Yeah. I think Deliverance would be a good movie for them to watch. It's a great movie. I think it's probably Burt Reynolds' best movie. Did you know that was Ned Beatty's first movie? I did, actually. Yeah. I did. Yeah. He thought he didn't want to do the part because he thought that's what he'd be remembered for forever. And then 
the Burt Reynolds said to him, no, no, you do hundreds of movies. Nobody will remember it. People still remember the role. That's how memorable Ned Beatty's role is in Deliverance. And I think that's what they should watch. Okay, Daniel Nugent Bowman on the way next hour. You're already sending in questions for him. We will pass them along to him live on the radio. Jason Gregor at 120. We'll talk college football as well on the way during the second hour. The Lowdown is brought to you by Wolf GMC Buick. It's time now for a sports update. This is a sports 1440 update. And for your sports 1440 update, brought to you by Tommy Guns. Tommy Guns, home of the ultimate grooming experience. Their hot towel shaves, awesome haircuts, and treatments were designed just for you. Book now at TommyGuns.com. Big night in the NHL with 13 games on the schedule, including, of course, the Edmonton Oilers at home against the Philadelphia Flyers. Puck drop for that one at 7. It will be Stuart Skinner in the starters net and Dylan Holloway and Sam Gagne both out. In case you missed it, earlier today it was Canada falling 3-2 to Czechia in the quarterfinals of the World Junior Hockey Championship. Czechia scored with 11 seconds left to punch their ticket into the semis. And also today it was Finland over Slovakia 4-3 in overtime. It was the U.S. 7-2 over Latvia. And right now, Sweden leads Switzerland 2-0 with just over four minutes to go in the second period. Around the NHL, Minnesota Wild forward Ryan Hartman has been fined $4,427 for high-sticking Winnipeg Jets forward Cole Perferetti on Sunday. Six games in the NBA that all go going with the Bulls in Philadelphia to take on the 76ers at 5. Later tonight, it's the Magic in Golden State at 8. And in the NFL... Miami Dolphins have lost pass rusher Bradley Chubb for the remainder of the season due to a torn ACL. The Dolphins play the Bills on Sunday to determine who will win the AFC East. Finally, just one game in the AJHL tonight. It's Drumheller in Drayton Valley to take on the Thunder. Puck drop for that one at 7. And as always, you can watch on flowhockey.tv. I'm Declan. This has been a Sports 1440 Update.